bed than all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Welcome to Sunday. Hope you're all doing well. And I am doing well. My mind hath wandered today to magic items and magic items with charges. Expendable magic items, if you will. Now, that's a great way. Expendable magic items, say wands and staves with charges or rings or something like that, are a great way to ease in new players and a new group into magic items because they're going to need some. I myself am not opposed to handing out a magic item for a play, each player at the beginning of the session. You can justify it in the story any way you like, an heirloom, something they found, or whatever. But, but, charged magic items are a great way because it's limited magic. So it's another, it's another resource you have to keep track of, another, another resource you have to use wisely. And that, to me, that's kind of the whole point of having charged magic items. And there's nothing to say you can't recharge them, but the whole point being, if you're down the third level of the dungeon, you're fighting something and you only have one charge of lightning bolt on your wand, then, you know, you can't do it right away. So, that's where I am today. And we'll talk more about this after this. So, rechargeable, renewable magic items, things with charges. My illusionist, as I've said before, has a, st- they call it the Staff of the Magus in Astonishing Swords, but it's the Staff of the Magi. And once again, my friend Carlos gives me this, and it comes with 24 charges initially. I've used a few, and then things happen in the story where I use the, 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 staff for something or some kind of plot point, and it gets charged up to 64 charges. And knowing Carlos, I'm probably going to use every, I'm going to probably going to need every one of those charges. So I know kind of where he's going with this, but a normal magic item, I'd say has no more than 10 to 12 charges in it at maximum. See, you have a wand of fireballs. You can do that 10 to 12 times, and it's gone. How would you recharge something like that? Well, that's for the fiendish GM to figure out. You can make it as difficult or as easy as possible, as you know, and possibly even using something like that as the basis for an adventure, although that's that's a pretty weak excuse for an adventure. Yo, let's get together and storm this mountain. I gotta go dip it in the in the pool of magma to charge my fireball wand. Whoop de doo. Where is this? What does this get us? I'm sure there's some side benefit, but it, that's also a good thing for that kind of excuse is good for say a hex crawl. Well, they happen to be in the area anyway, so etc. 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 Charging magic items should not be easy or cheap. Either it should be expensive or difficult. 
maybe sometimes both. But my philosophy is if you're going to recharge a magic item, you got to work for it or lay out the cash. Most of my players would rather do the latter. Go into a town, find a mage who can do such a thing, and then just heap gold on him or something. It all depends on how vital the magic item or items are. And I don't like to see groups that are magic item heavy because then they start depending on them. My worry always is when I get a magic item, I don't want to be a one-trick pony. Now, okay, I have a staff of the... Okay, my character has a staff of the Magi, and it has all these, like, about a dozen spells it can do. Some have use one charge, some use two, some use... One uses three. And, okay, fine. But that still makes me a one-trick pony, because pretty soon, the group, you know, when they see me to help them, it's like, use your staff to... Use your staff too, and I had to set get when it, when we started. I had to set Gage straight on that because he kept going. Well, why don't you use your magic too? Because I didn't think of it. Well, that's good on one hand because you know I forget stuff, but I've got the sheet with the with the stats for it right in front of me, so I don't do that very often. So he goes, well, why don't you just take your magic? Why don't you just use this for it? Because I've got like about four spells in there where t that take no charges. Stuff like identify and stuff like that or, or, or detect magic or something. So why don't you just use your rod to detect? All right. Because I don't, the one trick pony thing, I don't like to see characters, even if it isn't a magic item, say it's an ability. I don't like to see them abuse it. And what I mean by abuse is not, you know, do it in a clever way or something like that. What I mean is use it all the time. Like gauges, is there evil in this room? Their paladin is, is there evil in this room? Let me detect. You know, it's every room. You know, it gets old. And, you know, he's going to throw stuff at us where this doesn't work. I got, I, we got thrown at a, I don't know what the heck it was, some monster and, I lightning bolted it out of the staff and he basically said it did five points of damage because the monsters, oh, he's got like a so much in 20 chance and he's got magic res of, of not, not working. He has magic resistance, da, 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 da. Okay, fine. I need to change my tactics. That's the thing. That's the whole crux of the matter there. And it goes for the whole party you got to be able to think on your feet and be able to change your tactics on the fly. That's the whole key to an encounter, especially a major encounter. If you're finding a big thing or a lot of, lot of medium-sized things or something like that, you've got to figure out how to, how to change your tactics on the fly. That's what a good tactician does. And I'm no tactician. I'm far from a tactician. But I do know if something doesn't work, I'm not going to keep hammering it on them. I'm just going to move on and try something else. I've been thrown a lot of things like stone golems and undead at me. He's done this and I'm an illusionist and he knew and you know Carlos knew I, I'm pretty I'm a pretty good illusionist. I've got enough spells, but he also knew the things he was throwing at me weren't going to be much affected by it. And 
one, he gave me, he gave us the magic items because it's going to get a lot tougher. But also, I think he felt kind of sorry for me. I'm not sure. You'll have to tell me, Carlos. Because I was an illusionist, he's throwing this other stuff at me. Me, I would have rolled with it. I, if, he, if he didn't give me any of this, I would have been fine. I'm just going to stay in the back and do what I can. I relied in the beginning a bit on mirror image because that was about the only thing that could that could affect it. He also gave me a whip, a, a whip that if it hits, it does 3d6 electrical damage. I would have rather just had that. That would have got me up front, up close and personal. Yes, but I would have taken precaution. I mean, before I go into every battle, I've got they've got phantasmal armor, which knocks my armor class way down. Plus, I have the bonuses for decks and things like that. I can get to an armor class zero as a mage. So I don't worry all that much about getting up close and personal with monsters. I'd rather not. I'd rather be the support guy in the back, just in case. But I do have that whip and my phantasmal armor, which lasts a good long time. So I don't mind getting up front I don't want to be the upfront guy, but I don't mind doing like flanking or support. Oh, that guy's getting away. Get him with your whip. Whack. Okay, fine. But at the same time, I know my place is back there throwing spells and enhancing things for the guys and helping them out. And that's what I do. I can do stuff like terrify them, you know, anything. That's why I said he keeps throwing undead at us. They have no mind, so they have no mind to affect them. So I throw up like mirror image, which doesn't really need that kind of brain power to figure out. You just got to figure out which one's the real me. So I will get up close if I have to. But once again, these are the things that make me do these that make me come to these decisions to do in battle because hey i've got phantasmal armor hey i've got this whip i'm gonna be i feel like i'm gonna be all right one of these days something's gonna happen where i'm gonna lose that in the middle of battle lose the phantasmal armor in the middle of battle say or i've already lost this is the second electrical whip i've gotten by i found by the way the first one i pretty much saved our party's bacon over this gigantic Earth, I have to say it's an earth elemental that because these whips, they have the flaw in them is if I ever do, it's 3d6 electrical damage. If I ever do max damage on these with this thing, the whip will disintegrate. No more whip because it just gets overloaded. And I managed to hit this thing on a natural 20 and I rolled it and I got three sixes. And it's like, okay, this thing is gone. But he did this thing where I basically just, I, I, fry, I fried the thing and it fell over. Because it had already been taking some hits. I fried it, I coup de grace it with it and fell over. But I had no more whip, but we're alive. And I said, that's fine. Okay, no whip, don't worry about it. But then he gives me another one. So <laughs> I sound like I'm complaining, but I'm not complaining. I'm just worried that I'm going to be over-relying on, on magic items. I don't want to do that, especially things with charges. The staff of the mages has a lot of charges. Okay, fine. I'm going to use that, but I'm going to try and use them wisely and tactically. I'm not going to listen to somebody like Gage says, well, I may cock one ear to Gage saying, why don't you do this? 
But at the same time, I'm going to be deciding what I do with it. So, so that's the kind of resource you've got to think of when you're a magic person, whether you're a cleric or a wizard or whatever. You got to think if you're going to be using magic items, that's what you got to think about. So, you guys can have that. I'm going to go start my day. And if you want to talk to me about this or anything, oldmangrognard at gmail.com or drop me a voicemail on Anchor. We're monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month. You too can help us out, help me out, and I would thank you. Thank you again, Jonathan J. Wendell, Jessen, Oliver Shriek, Gilbert Suarez, Mark C. Walring, Juan Carlos Llewellyn, and Daniel Reynolds. You guys are great. And don't forget Mark C. Walring's podcast, Yawning Albear. But you guys, you guys are fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate it. So until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air.